0: Good luck finding anybody who's a current judge anywhere who doesn't believe in super precedent and stare decisis. If you go to college now for a, to study constitutional law, you're probably not even going to look at the constitution ever because the new definition of constitutional law in the United States in this time, in this age, in this generation is all about super precedents, stare decisis, and they're gonna look and say, well, even it doesn't matter if it's the law of the land or not, they're just gonna look at that and say, well, that's the decision that we've made before, so that's the one we have to make to today and they're not going to flip it. Hello everyone, thank you for checking out this podcast. This is Right All Week, I am your host, my name is Dave, and if you would like to interact with me on all of the usual social media networks, you can use the username at right All Week. If you want to send an email, the address is WriteAllWeek at gmail.com, and I'm just going to politely request that everyone everywhere, however you're getting this material, please do like and share, because the online media suppression has been so real, and I could just use a lot of help, I would appreciate it. So So thank you very much for helping us with that. Now, today we're going to talk real briefly about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what this means for us right now in this time in this season. Uh, Hit real quick three things specifically I want to do. The right response to the fact that someone has died. And then also the right replacement because, yes, we're going to have to fill this seat. And then finally, the right expectations moving forward uh, because now there is going to be a change specifically in the Supreme Court and all that. So first of all, because, oh man, I've seen the gamut and responses on this one. You know, Yes, we've got polite, uh, very civil, very considerate. The presidential response that we got from President Trump, that was fantastic, but then also people on the left losing their ever loving minds over this thing, screaming at the sky and uh, pleading, begging people to get out and vote because now all of a sudden this is going to be their issue, which is an interesting role reversal, but that happens in politics. So there's one response and then, on the other side, completely going in the opposite direction. People who claim to be, you know, right-minded, side, right minded, conservative, uh, you know, really what we would think to be decent people, what we'd hope to find in our mindset, right? And uh, saying things that are just absolutely crazy ridiculous, literally celebrating the death of someone and making jokes about that. So, I want to just come out and say that we don't, want to go that way first of all for those who are on the right celebrating this it's not okay because we need to remember specifically the fact that The great enemy of the human condition has claimed another victim. This is the biblical position. Death is our enemy, and it's only here because of sin. And if it weren't for that, it wouldn't be an enemy that we have to wrestle with. But death has claimed another one. And now, also biblical, once you have met your appointed time to die, then the next thing comes is you face the supreme judge. So, our justice from the Supreme Court is now facing the Supreme Judge and now has a better understanding than any of us who, whether or not you agree with any of her positions, right now I expect is true, at least, you know, and between now and whenever the Great Judgment is, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is getting a clearer understanding of what right and wrong really is, better than we have, those of us who are still left here waiting for our turn to meet the Supreme Judge. So it's not right for us to celebrate that. The appropriate response, of course, is to be mournful, to be respectful, and to remember that death is the enemy. It's not, in this case, something that's going to be good for us. And we never want to take that position, that it's somehow good. Although I understand and I empathize with those of you who appreciate the end of her influence, that I, I can I get that, but let's not be disrespectful or flippant about things like death, because of this benefit that we think they're going to get from it. So that's the part one, the right response, at least for the right, for for those who are on the left, obviously they put too much hope in one person. And I've already talked about this in previous podcasts about how we don't want to be putting our hope in individual people. Our hope needs to be First, a faith-filled hope in the Lord, but then when it comes to people, one individual person, we're all fallible at an individual level and we're all going to let people down eventually. And in this case, I think it's really an honest assessment to say that She did, she really let a lot of people down on her side. She was 83 when we were electing President Trump, but she presumed, she assumed, she thought she knew what the outcome of that election was going to be and that she was gonna have more time to maintain her level of influence sitting on a seat at 83. Most people can't even realistically expect to live to 83. And she thought, well, I'm gonna be okay. And then when Trump was elected, now I have to find a way to hold out and wait till he's done. We're talking about somebody who was diagnosed with a fatal cancer during the Obama years, didn't retire then, decided because of what she believed was her, apparently, a right to that seat, and her responsibility and her contribution, her influence to their movement. And so it's no surprise to me that since Trump was elected, she's she's been elevated. She deserves some respect for some things, especially being a, a very successful woman in a very very big kind of a career. And to make it as far as she did, I think that really helps to to prove that what people say about the the sexist ceiling and all that. I mean, she's the evidence that that's not true. So. It's just, Awesome that she has all these things going for her, but um, May definitely made a strategic error not giving that seat to somebody else in her 80s with a fatal cancer while somebody who she agreed with could have replaced her. Didn't do it and it's too late now so the left is losing their minds about that it's uh you know it's obviously not the right response either because you've elevated a human you shouldn't do that and they're just overlooking the mistakes and i'm gonna blame somebody who had no responsibility in the matter back then trump wasn't president yet it wasn't his fault and again the people decided the majority of the individuals in every state elected our president and now you just have to accept that that's what that's the real deal that's the consequences this is the world we're living in and it's just gonna keep going so that's a good shift for the fact that hey president trump's gonna still do what a president should do it's his job right now to appoint a replacement well what's the right replacement going to look like well in this case anybody who's going to help preserve and conserve our nation our way of life the traditions that we hold dear in this nation where we believe in historically traditionally somebody who can do that uh so pretty much anybody honestly who he picks who is to the right of socialism communism and all of the other isms that they hold dear over there uh that's going to help a lot because it's also going to break the tie we've had a 4 and 4 tie with chief justice breaking the ties with not really not honestly a actual conservative or original or the the interpretation he seems to get is more of a personal opinion based on what's the political atmosphere of the day. He's kind of like a weather vane for politics and just chooses the one that seems to do uh, the best job of preserving that, which that's not how the Supreme Court is supposed to work. So now let's get to the expectations. Whoever we pick, if we get a good person on the right, something, anything to the right, the whole thing's going to shift to the right because the Chief Justice position is going to change. But then also, Um, I want to temper people who are currently cheering, saying it's going to be the end of Roe v. Wade. I don't believe that, not even for a nanosecond. All right, so people who say things like, oh, well, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. It's not, just to be super clear about that, a decision that comes down from the Supreme Court, that is supposed to be their job is to enforce, to make sure that people actually adhere to the laws. They do not write the laws. So when they, it's not like you get a new law every time the Supreme Court makes a decision, all right? You get the clarification about existing laws when they make a decision that's supposed to be how it's how it works but obviously the left has been counting on the decisions to be perceived and adhered to as though they were laws and i've hit this in another video another podcast not going to go there too about how they've totally failed on both sides but the system has somewhat failed so, uh, but I'm not expecting, honestly, that we're going to have an overturning of Roe v. Wade, because good luck finding anybody who's a current judge anywhere who doesn't believe in super precedent and stare decisis. If you go to college now for a, to study constitutional law, you're probably not even going to look at the Constitution ever, because the new definition of constitutional law in the United States in this time, in this age, in this generation, is all about super precedents, stare decisis, and they're going to look and say, well, even... It doesn't matter if it's the law of the land or not, they're just going to look at that and say, well, that's the decision that we've made before, so that's the one we have to make today, and they're not going to flip it. So here's what you actually need to do in order to fix it. All of my pro-life friends out there, you actually want to fix this issue. You need to recognize what I said a minute ago. It is not the law of the land. A law has not yet been written for our nation that either affirms abortion for everyone or prohibits abortion for everyone. What we actually need to do, if we're going back and we're going to take the original position this nation has, that it is the government's job to protect, to protect God-given rights. We need an amendment that says very plainly, there's no infringement of the right to be born. That's it. Should, the right to be born shall not be infringed. That's all it needs to say. Just like that, we'll work out all of the details later. You can ask me questions if you want to. Well, but that is all it needs to say. That needs to be passed through legislature, and then we have a law, and then the Supreme Court's job will then be to make sure that people adhere it to it, that people actually follow the law, obey the law. That's really all that's supposed to happen there. But unfortunately, that's not what we've had for a while. We've had a lot of people trying to use the court as a replacement for the legislature. So I'm sitting here hoping that we actually do go and pick someone who will just do the, even if it's just what we, what I just said the enforcement of story decides to super uh, precedent and all that but from a right leaning more traditional GOP whatever just get somebody in there so they could shift to the right but in order to solve the pro-life this situation we actually need legislation which is why people in the country need to rise up and demand that and make a strong voice grassroots all kinds of uh noise let's just put it that way to make sure that people who represent us understand that that is our desire that that is what we the people want to see and and then expect that they're just going to enforce it but we'll see how that actually goes because i anticipate uh we'll see somebody get recommended, uh, our president's going to say, hey, whatever judge he wants, he's gonna pick him, and then it'll be up to the Senate to confirm them, which I expect we will see that regardless of whatever previous history. I know there's a lot of people talking about that, but it's the president's job to appoint, it's the Senate's job to to confirm, and they can do all of this before the election, which I think would be a good idea because we're expecting uh, probably one of the most chaotic elections we've ever seen. All of this is good reason for all of us to pray. Pray for those who are are approaching death like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, so that way they would be ready to meet their maker. Pray for our president to pick and to appoint and for the Senate to confirm righteous judges who understand what their job is, who actually uh, remember that there's somebody above all of us that they're actually going to have to answer to one day. And then the idea here that yes, we can get some more righteous laws, that more people will feel that conviction, they need to speak out and demand it. And that whatever is coming in this next couple of months, that the, all this civil unrest, the most civil civil war that there ever was, that we can find a way for a peaceful resolution for these things because all of us, rather than looking at, oh, what, what I want, what I need, what I think is right, we can all submit to a higher power who actually knows better than all of us the same Supreme Judge that Ruth, Gator, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just met. So that's my advice and I hope that you appreciate it. If you're still watching, I appreciate you finishing. And if you would please, as I asked previously, do like and share all of the content and please come back for more because this is Right All Week and I am Dave and this is where we talk about what's right, how it's right and why it matters.